If you would please uh, join me in prayer, asking the Lord to touch all our hearts and our minds and our souls as we open his word. Father, we are grateful to you. I am grateful to you for your great grace and generosity, my Father, that you have always shown us in this church, on me in particular, and in all of our brothers and sisters, Father. We thank you for the amazing generosity of a heart, Father, that did not minimize our condition, but amplified it enough to send your Son, Jesus Christ, to change the outcome of our lives. We thank you, my Father, that you gave the most precious thing that is you and part of you and one with you. And you gave him to be one with us and part of us and one with us. We thank you, Father God, for your son Jesus and for your love toward us. Amen. As Father Astor indicated earlier as he uh, began to introduce the day, uh, today actually is a double whammy when it comes to our celebration here at St. David's. And I, I might even consider a triple uh, because I don't want to forget that yesterday uh, though for some people it was celebrated as Halloween, uh, it, it is also for those of us who are part of the, uh, of the church, of the reformation of the church, it was Reformation Day. It, it was the day in which Martin Luther nailed to the, to the, to the doors of his church in Germany the 95 Theses with which he disagreed with the direction that the church was going. And it sparked the flame. It sparked the flame that led to the Reformation and the attention that was given to the Word of God, to the faithfulness of the Word of God, sola scriptura, only the scriptures, only Christ, only grace, only salvation in Jesus Christ. One faith. That was the spark that changed the world. And that changed ultimately England as well as we became a reformed form of Catholicism, a reformed Anglican church. And so I don't want to just let that go by without mentioning it. But today in particular, we celebrate uh, All Saints Day. All Saints Day. And what we celebrate in All Saints Day is I celebrate, we celebrate here in the Anglican Church, we celebrate all of the men and women of God who have lived from generation to generations. 
As I was reading the gospel today, and I was reading Jesus saying, Blessed are the poor, and blessed are the meek, and blessed are the hungry and the thirst, I could still remember or, or, or hear him blessing all of the people of God who have ever lived, who have been hungry, who have been thirsty for the word, who have been poor in spirit, who have been poor physically, who have sought him and been persecuted. In All Saints Day, we celebrate all of the men and women of God from the beginning of Christianity all the way to our own time, and especially thinking of all the men and women that, that still reach out from heaven to testify to us of the faith. I am reminded of, of Hebrews where Jesus speaks about the great multitude uh, that, that are as we run the race, the great many multitudes. And they're not there to observe us run the race. They are there to cheer us on. They are the people in the stands as we run today and they're saying to us, we run before you and we made it to the end and now we have the crown and we have won and you can win. Come on, come on, run hard. And I, I am reminded of the great number of saints. Not, and, and I am reminded not just of Christian saints. I, I am reminded of all of the saints of God in the Old Testament. All the men and women of God who had the valor to stand against the lack of faith at times. The persecution of those who wanted to worship God. All the struggles of men and women throughout the Old Testament. And I, of course, today want to celebrate the living saints. I want to celebrate you. The saints of God who today are not giving up and running the race. The saints of God today who are not giving up in sacrificing in so many ways so that the, the world hears the gospel clearly and firmly and unadulterated. I am reminded of all the saints today who fight hard to give God glory and to live people and to lead people to the Lord. Actually, I got up early this morning, very early, and I happened to turn on the television and I was looking for um, a worship service. And I, I found a worship service that I wanted to, to listen to. I had never listened to this particular preacher before. But one of the things he said have stayed with me and probably will always stay with me he said that testimony, the word testimony, begins with the word test. He said you will never have a testimony until you're tested. You will never have a testimony until you go through testing. And I thought, oh my God, I've never recognized that. And I want to celebrate today all of those people who have been tested physically, emotionally, spiritually, 
and in all kinds of ways, some more than others, some martyred throughout history, but their testimony still is proclaimed today. So today we celebrate All Saints Day, and I say to all the saints of God, dead and living, hallelujah. Praise be to God who makes us his saints. The second thing we celebrate today at St. David's, and this is a particular celebration for us that we have been doing uh, probably for close to the last 30 years. It is something I sort of instituted when I first came to St. David's, is Covenant Sunday. Covenant Sunday was an opportunity for us, all of us as believers, to reaffirm at least once a year, to reaffirm our covenant with God, our relationship with God, our surrender to God, the fact that he has declared that he is our God and we are his people. And so that's one of the things that we do today on Covenant Sunday. And all of you will have an opportunity to renew your covenant. And as part of the renewal of our covenant, which is a spiritual thing, a spiritual renewal, a, a, a verbal declaration of our faith, we also will all come forth and bring our commitment uh, in, in, in our finances for the year to come. And we're going to uh, invite those that are here uh, to come forth and place their financial commitment. And we have received so many uh, of your commitments that you have sent in uh, either by mail or you have sent it in uh, through the website. And we have received those and we are going to place them in your name before God as a sign that our covenant is not just word, but it's also deed and action and purpose as we commit ourselves and our treasures to the worship of God. And then lastly, we are going to confess our sins to the Lord knowing that it is by grace and grace alone that there's anything holy in us, anything saintly in us. So, so we, we celebrate, and today I'm enjoying very much uh, this celebration as I have enjoyed it every year. I want to share with you a passage of scripture that has meant a lot to me in all the years that I have studied scripture and that has meant a lot to me and taught me a lot about giving to the Lord. And I would like to read with you and you can read it with me at home as well. This is from St. Paul's uh, second letter to the Corinthian church. He says, I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love is also genuine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. And in this matter I give my judgment. This benefits you, who a year ago started not only to do this work, but also to desire to do it. 
So now finish doing it as well. So that your readiness in desiring it may be matched by your completing it out of what you have. For if the readiness is there, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened. But that as a matter of fairness, your abundance at the present time should supply the need so that their abundance may supply your need that there may be fairness, as it is written, whoever gather much has nothing left over, and whoever gather little had no lack. St. Paul writes this, this letter to the Corinthians, most likely, likely from Ephesus, and during his third missionary journey. At the end of his second missionary journey, St. Paul had decided to go and visit Jerusalem and give a report of how the Lord had been using him around the world and in the churches in the Gentile world. And what he found in Jerusalem was a very faithful church but also a very poor church. A church that was struggling a great deal with poverty. Poverty because of a great famine that had hit the area of Jerusalem and people were starving. And the church in Jerusalem, being the faithful church that they were, were not only concerned with themselves, but were giving out of themselves to everyone who had need. They were giving of themselves whatever they could in monies, in food, in spiritual ways, and that created a great poverty in the church. The famine they were experiencing the support of those that were going hungry, they shared with everyone. And St. Augustine also makes the point of saying that possibly the church was in poverty because they were supplying the need of so many missionaries that they had sent all over the world. They were not only concerned about the local church, they were concerned about the movement and the ministry of God all over the place. St. Paul speaks often about him building tents in order to supply his own needs. But how many other missionaries were being supported by, I remind you, the mother church. The mother church. You see, the faith had gone into the world from the effort of the believers in Jerusalem. If the Gentile world in Ephesus, in Corinth, in Macedonia had received the faith was because of the faithfulness of the mother church in sending out missionaries. And now they were suffering 
a tremendous amount of need themselves and poverty as they fed the hungry, as they met the needs of people, even beyond their own abilities. And St. Paul feels that the Gentile churches in Ephesus, Macedonia, Greece, and even in Rome that were not experiencing the same famine, the same needs that they needed to now give back to the church in Jerusalem. They now needed to take a collection of money so that they could relieve much of the need happening in Jerusalem. And that is the reason why St. Paul writes to the Corinthians here, probably from Ephesus, because he's making a collection in Asia Minor, then he's headed to Macedonia, and eventually coming to Corinth. And when he comes to Corinth, he wants them to be ready, ready to give what they could to supply the need of Jerusalem, because he's going back to Jerusalem in his last trip, after that, he's arrested, taken to Rome, and there beheaded. So St. Paul writes these words to the Corinthians as a reminder. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, though Jesus Christ was rich, Yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by the, his poverty might become rich. Jesus Christ abandoned all the glories of heaven and took on and humbled himself, and not just humbled himself, humiliated himself and allowed himself to be humiliated and hanged on the cross so that by his poverty, you and I would become the rich inheritors of a kingdom which did not belong to us by right, but by grace and grace alone. So as we celebrate All Saints Day, we are reminded that whatever is ours as saints of God is because Jesus chose to give everything he had and God the Father gave everything he had and the Holy Spirit teaches us from these passages, teaches us that in our giving we need to have the same generosity of the Jerusalem church, the same generosity of Christ and that in our giving, we need to give with the idea that everything we give, we give to glorify God and to serve God and to feed the homeless and to clothe the naked and to teach Bible studies and to support missionaries and to do everything that is possibly called of the church to do. And so that's why it is a day also for us to bring our our tithes and our offerings and our commitment for next year. I want to say one quick thing because it's imperative for me to say this. With all of my heart, this being possibly the last Covenant Sunday 
that I will celebrate with you at least for a while. I want to thank you. I want to thank every one of you who have supported our ministry and supported me for the last 29 to 30 years. We have lacked nothing because you have been generous. And I want to thank you, accept my gratitude for 29 years or 30 years of faithful ministry to one and only one God. You and I have done this. Your generosity has been easily marked and easily visible. And I want to thank you for that support of 29 years of ministry reaching out to others. Thank you. Good morning. We have a little duet going on this morning, Father Jose and I. He made a quick reference at the start of his message, his sermon, regarding Reformation Sunday. I want to note to you that that Reformation took place in 1517. However, two years prior to that Reformation, coffee was brought into Europe. And most likely that coffee that was brought into Europe was by an Armenian merchant. And then all this took place. Today's 2020. I'm an Armenian, so by 2022, buckle up, <laughs> because I drink a lot of coffee. But don't worry, I'm not going to nail anything on these doors. Right now, there's a young boy in the city who regrets, fears coming home every day. His parents are often working. And when he does have the time to see them, they're constantly arguing with one another. His father is an alcoholic. And his mother has been carrying depression for many years now from all the emotional and at times, physical abuse she has experienced. Right now, there's a young girl who's worried about her image, her body, her popularity, amongst her peers, from all the peer pressure she is experiencing through social media. This has left her with a lot of self-doubt and low self-esteem. And the only way that she can numb the pain is by cutting herself every night before she sleeps. Right now, there's a young adult male who has recently gone through the tragedy of a breakup 
of a girlfriend he has loved for many years. And the pain and the hurt is so high and so heavy that he finds the only remedy for this solution is drugs and potentially the thought of ending his life. Right now, there's a young couple who's about to embark in a new life together who though do not have the proper foundation and support, they need to be equipped to carry on holy matrimony, a foundation that prepares them for the challenges and the struggles that await them in this beautiful thing we call marriage. Right now, there's a single mother at home whose husband has left her for another woman who now carries the burden of raising her children all by herself. Right now, there's a family who just got word from their doctor that their child has been diagnosed with a terminal disease. leaving them devastated and fearful for the future. Right now, there's a male and a female in separate homes who reflect and lament and are saddened by the love they once had, who no longer is there with them to do life. Right now, there's a parent who just got laid off, lost his job due to the coronavirus, and him being the only one working and bringing income home has left his family in a great amount of fear and uncertainty. Right now, there are multitudes of people struggling with health issues from heart, kidney, autoimmune, who worry about their health and their life. I can go on with stories like this. These are the kinds of stories and things that are taking place right now in our communities. Right now. There's a great deal of hurt and pain and struggle and fear and loneliness and sadness in many lives, countless lives. All all in the radius of one mile 
of where you're sitting right now and where I'm standing. Issues related to health, finances, companionship, identity, loss, that transcend age, race, gender, social status, culture. These are all men, women, and children made in the image of God who are right now going through difficult, difficult times. And so what do we do? What is the church's response in a time like this? Beloved brothers and sisters, we must be the church. We must be the church of Jesus Christ, the one who taught us about the rule and reign of God in those Beatitudes that Father Jose read this morning. The one who had compassion and healed the woman who was bleeding for 12 years. The one who had mercy and restored the paralytic man. The one who befriended and dined with sinners, tax collectors, and prostitutes. The one who wept when he came to find out that his friend Lazarus had died. but soon came after and resuscitated him to life. The one who casted out demons in those demoniac episodes we read in the Gennesaret. The one who restored the ear of the Roman soldier who just minutes prior had come to arrest him. And ultimately, the one who lived, died. But then on the third day, rose from the grave for you, for me, for us. We must be the church. For the sake of the world. We have a mission. It's a very particular mission. We are to be the mouth, hands, and feet of God in this world. This isn't a trivial or small or words of platitude. This is real, concrete fact. We must be the church of Jesus Christ. We have a rich liturgy in this church, in the Anglican church. And 
One of the great reasons why I was attracted to the Anglican Church was because of its liturgy, because of its prayers that we say in our service. When then we embody everything in our service, from the things we hear, we sit, we kneel, we reach out, we confess, we receive, we pass. But in the words of a priest I heard recently, I share these words to you from Father Sean McCain. My dear brothers and sisters, the liturgy does not end at the dismissal. It continues. Meaning once we leave these doors, when this service ends, we continue to do and say and be the people that are being shaped and formed by all that takes place in this hour. We have a mission, and we have to broaden our imagination of what that mission is. It's to love our neighbor, our enemy, to be there for those in need. Do not doubt for a second this can be done in and through us. Because I fall back on the words of Jesus after he rose from the grave. He conquered death and sin altogether. He said to his disciples, As the Father has sent me, now I send you. And he breathed on them the Holy Spirit. God is calling his church to reach the lost, to heal the strict, sick, to strengthen the weak, to free the captives, and to love the unloved. But we can't do this without giving. None of this is possible if we don't give. And when I say give, I mean Everything. Everything. There is no comma. There's a period. Our time, our talents, and our treasures. As you know, on January 1st, I will take on the role of rector here as Father Jose retires from his 29 faithful and prosperous years here at St. David's. And in the past three months and the two that remain, I have gained tremendous amount of wisdom from this man, a servant of God, who loves the Lord, who loves his word, who loves people, and is a man of Principle. My hope is to carry on what he has done and for all of that to rub on me and build on that foundation. But I can't do that alone. He thanked you just minutes prior 
for all of your support for all those years. I now, at the start of my time here, ask you for your support. But for the sake of the church, for the sake of the ministry, we need your support. Your time, your talents, and your pleasure, treasures. If not us, who? If we don't do this, who? Where do we turn to? Who do we go to? Where do we travel? In the famous words of Archbishop William Temple, the church is the only institution that exists primarily for the benefits of those who are not its members. My dear brothers and sisters, we have a mission. But without our investment, our commitment from everything that God has given us, we can't do much. But there's great need in our community. And as I said, do not doubt that this can happen. Jesus said, you will do greater things than I. The question I have for you this morning, do you believe right now? Do you believe that we can reach that young boy, reach that young girl, reach that young adolescent male, reach that parent, reach that family? Do you believe we can reach those families through this church? Do you believe it? Do you believe it? This is the time you have to ask yourself, can we do it? Can we? Are we up to the task? If not us, who? But you must believe first that it can be possible that we can reach our broken, hurting community. I will end with this. Someone once said to me, as he reached into his pocket and took a, what looked like hundreds of dollars, he pointed it at me and said, this is my friend. I'm sorry, but that gentleman is mistaken. God calls us friend, and we are called to go into the world and become friends of those who don't know our Lord. We are friends, human beings are friends. And we use money as a tool, as an instrument, to do the work that God has called us to do.
When I was ordained as a deacon and a priest, my whole life flashed right before my eyes. I remembered where I was. Those lonely times of self-doubt and worry. And now I look back and I say, thank you, God, for saving me and then blessing me with so many wonderful people in my life. If it wasn't for the Church of Jesus Christ, I wouldn't be here today. How many more like me are there out there for us to reach? Lord, continue your work. This is our prayer. Amen.